Hello, world. Welcome to another week of Golf Subpar. Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz. We've got a major, major, major interview this week. We'll get to that in a second. But first, please, we've got to touch on Shadow Creek, the CJ mm. Cup. I mean, that place is just heaven. How about it, dude? God. Just looking at it on TV. I've never had more like, I want to get on the first thing smoking and fly to that town and play the whatever tour event it was that week. That place looks so good. We both play it. We've both been able to play it, uh, you know, a number of times. But just looking at the way the greens bounced, it was firm. I had I had doubts of how firm they could get it fresh out the overseed. The rough was up, which made it tough. And I mean, dude, it looked as good as it could possibly be. And pretty much every tour player that was on property said this is maybe the most well manicured golf course I've ever played on. That's pretty damn good. I was getting videos from Justin Thomas. And Paul Casey of just the course, and they're like, they're like this place is just, is like you said, as good as it, any place they've ever been. And I mean, <laughs> they're rivaling it with a with Augusta with how good a shape this yeah. place is in. I had so much FOMO, I hated it. Yeah, it was, I'm sitting there just watching. I'm like, oh my god. I wonder I what they're drinking. Place. I wonder if they've had a Ronda Rita. Ronda? I should go up there. Should I go up there and tell them? Exactly. <laughs> Dude, it looks so good. And like, I know every tour player has raved about the place. Question: Like, I'm sure if the tour players had their had their way, they would love to play there. Make that an annual stop. Play at Shadow Creek. Do you think it's at all realistic with the way that course is and how hard it would be to get fans in and out and around that place that it that it could fit on? Yeah, there's year, not much room for year. fans at all. There's period. like no room yeah. for fans. And you also, I mean, it's a small place, like small driving range. Um, you would have to do always do like a limited field event. The 78 guys. I don't think you could ever do like a full field of yeah, there. getting fans in and out of there with the one way with a yeah. little tiny. I mean, it would just be a logistics like nightmare. I feel like, but man, it would be cool to see that place every single year, especially after every player came off the golf course was like, this place is sweet. Well, one man really enjoyed it. So Jason Kokrak gets his first win on the PGA tour after 231 starts, 233, 233 starts. Yes. Um, unbelievable. I've known Jason for a long time. Great player, great ball striker. Uh, the putter heated up this week, number one in putting and, was able to win by two shots over Xander Schauffele, who shocker was right there again. I mean, this dude's never never plays bad. He's more like I think he has eight runner ups now in like the last few years. He's so close to being just like elite, elite. But shout out to Jason Kokrak, what a performance! He's been a great ball striker for a long time. Putter this week led the field in putting for the first time in the in the history of his PGA Tour career. We had him on our radio show today to, talking about like what's different, what did he do? He said he went for a little longer putter. His caddy told him you look too hunched over when you putt, so he put two inches on his putter, bumped it up to thirty six. And also Kevin Na, who he shares a swing, swing instructor with, went to him and said, maybe you should try a stiffer shaft in your putter, which is something I've never even really yeah. thought about in my life, like what shaft is in my putter. He's like, try a little stiffer shaft putter. It might not have as much give when you hit it, and you might like it. Put those things, two things in play, and bam. I mean, this he just he went off this week. Yep, he is. he's really starting to figure, figure this game out. Made the Tour Championship last year, now gets his first win. Uh, big things coming for Jason Kokrak, but maybe big things coming in November where a guy that hits bombs and likes to draw it right to left. I mean, and now all of a sudden got something clicking with his putter. Augusta national has got to be a place that looks pretty good to him right now. Yeah. He'll be making his first, first trip there. And yeah, you never know. Shit, I mean, weird course. things have happened. Confidence is a weird thing. Speaking of weird things, uh, Phil Mickelson won again yeah. on the PGA tour champions, uh, two for two. Yeah. You think Bernard Longer's like, God damn it. All right. We get it, dude. Go back down to where you belong. This is, this is my show up here. Cause he's come up there two for two. Now had a little fight this time. With uh, Mike Weir, ran away from the first one, you know, fairly easily. But, uh, I mean, we'll see how many more of these things he plays. Like we said, confidence is a weird thing. If Winning is winning. I don't care who you're beating. It feels good to win, and he's doing it out there right now. We'll see how much more he gets out there. But uh, I know he likes to play a lot leading up to majors. Yeah, but, yeah, they probably got – they got to fucking hate seeing him out there right now. He'll be down the road from us in a couple weeks at Phoenix Central Club. That's yeah. where he's going to get ready for the Masters. So, fun to see. And, Phil – Get your ass on the podcast. Let's go. Yeah, perfect timing, dude. Charles Schwab Cup right down the road. Maybe pop in, have a couple, tell us how great you are, all that stuff. <laughs> <Maybe take laughs> tell us how smart you are. Take your shirt off, show yeah. us your abs. You exactly. Know, yeah, exactly. You can, we, can, we can pop them off if you want. I like it. All right. Well, Sleaze, 
It's time to open up the mailbag. We got some good questions this week. Producer Mark, what are we rolling with? All right, so the back nine at Augusta, the roars on Sunday is something that everyone looks forward to. Rob Pritz on Twitter wants to know, would you like to hear piped-in roars on Sunday like they are doing for some of the other sports? Uh, it'd be interesting. Hmm. I, I don't think I would mind it. I would I would maybe want to hear it like on Thursday and then see how it goes. But uh, it'd be interesting. It'd be like... Wait till somebody's right over the ball and then just jam that that eagle sound. Yeah, I was there the year Louie made the two on number two Two. out there, and I was on a a 12T right by 11 green, 12T sitting there, and we could hear it all the way from over there, and we're like, you could just see the players kind of like pop up, look around, look at the scoreboard, and all of a sudden they went and flipped Louie three more than whatever he was at the time. We're like, holy shit. So the roars are cool out there. I don't know about a speakers out there. I wonder who would be in charge of that. All right, he's over the ball. Hit, Hit him with the roar. Yeah, so yeah, it'd be interesting. All right, J.D. Goring on Twitter wants to know, what is the one thing you look forward to each year that isn't professional golf-related? Oh. Ooh. I'll let you go first. (laughs) One thing I look forward to each year that is not professional golf-related. Not related to golf at all. There's a couple, like, little jicky-jack pro scratches that I look forward to, but that that involves golf. golf, But it's not pro golf, necessarily. I'll say uh, the Kentucky Derby. I love the Kentucky Derby. Oh, I got mine. I've been. It's a blast. Sleaze has been. Yes. Um, it's a spectacle. And I, I love, even when I'm not there, I love watching it. That thing's an unbelievable sporting event to attend. Mm-hmm. Unlike any other, it's sweet. You get all dolled up and have some of those little whatever specialty drinks they are and just absolutely get amongst it. But my favorite day of the year, arguably, that I look forward to, the start of college football season. Feels a little different this year because mm-hmm. it's all jacked up with COVID and all that stuff. But I'm diehard college football. We'll watch from sunup to sundown. So when college football season starts, I know like, I got a few months of just greatness on Saturday. So call, probably start a college football season for Sleaze. Okay, last one for you guys. If you had a tour event where a player could subtract, subtract a stroke for every beer he consumed while he was playing, who would be the favorite to win? Ooh, God, that's a good format. Um, I should trot that out sometime. sorry, that comes from Keith O'Halloran. That's a good question. Keith, good shout out, Keith. Uh, good I'll question. Go, I'll go Boo Weekly. I think, Boo, get, could get, I think Boo could get the next natty light. I think the guy that just won this week might have a pretty good shot at it. I think Jason Coke, Kokrak, Kokrak could, could put go. a few down, as you would say. And uh, I'd like to see – I think I know he's a big Tito's guy, so I don't know what his beer intake would be. But Harry Higgs, I'd like to see Harry throw his hat in that ring as well, too. Mm. He ain't afraid. You know, I don't know the if he's world, a beer guy, more of a Tito's guy. The world needs more Harry Higgs. How about the little cranberry? Like Do you see his little video Beautiful. of him driving around just spilling cranberry juice Beautiful. all over his chin? It's the he best. incredible. We do need more of that cat. He's it. the greatest. Well, thanks for those questions. Keep them coming. Yes, we love them. All right, Sleaze. It's time to get to it. Here he comes. Number nine. Number nine. The highest paid sports broadcaster in the history of the world. Tony Romo is this week's guest on Golf Subpar. This is it, man. We had a hell of a time. We had him inked. We checked up with him. I literally checked up with him every single day leading up. Okay, 7 o'clock this day, 7 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, all good, all good, all good. We get down there, and all of a sudden, oh, I can't do it that time. We're going to have to rearrange. So we, we definitely adapt to the schedule of uh, the great Tony Romo, but we got him to sit down, and that's a, that's a hard thing to do. Not pe- not many people get that. So it was, uh, Yeah, it was a blast. He was awesome, and um, always love hanging out with Tony. But hope you all enjoy it. Here's Tony Romo on Golf Subpar. Please, before we get to Tony Romo, we want to talk, tell y'all out there a little bit about Rockform, our official sponsor. Absolutely. If you're out there and you like to get amongst it, like to have a couple, have a good time on the golf course, Rockform is the speaker for you. You and I have used it here in the couple, past couple of weeks. 
It is a blast. The thing absolutely thumps. That magnetic device that's on it is seems un, unbeatable. Like you could go over anything. You can actually like, almost smack the thing off and it doesn't come off. It's, yeah. it's, it's awesome. It is awesome. And you can actually put two of these things together, have a yeah. little surround sound in your golf cart. Like you said, it thumps. I almost couldn't hear you the other day from three holes over. That's right. That's, how, that's how loud it is. World that's loud enough to block that out. If but I make a birdie, awesome. you're going to know about it. Rock form might be the only thing that can balance that, that can, that can cancel that out. But go, ha- go out there, go get your rock form. These things are spectacular. Perfect for the golf course. Couldn't agree more. And if you want to go get it, you need to go to rockform.com and enter code subpar for 25% off. That's code subpar at R-O-K-F-O-R-M.com for 25% off rock form speakers. And go here, get you some. Go get it. All right. Here he comes, Tony Romo on Golf Subpar. All right, big day for Golf Subpar here. We got Dallas Cowboy icon, not to mention two-time winner of the American Century Celebrity Championship, and last but not least, winner of the, hold on, Racing Tri-Course Amateur Championship. What a big one, by nine. That was a big one. I actually dominated from start to finish there. There were three people in the field. Two were under the age of 50. Three people in the field. Hell of a dub, though. Top three going in, no matter what. Those are the kind of tournaments I like to play in. I know. That's what I say. If you need a confidence boost, come and play in the track. The racing try. Sleaze, you got your amateur. amateur. I'm back. You got your Next year, there might be four in that. There's actually some good players in there. Yeah, there were some. You won by nine. Little Blitzkrieg of the field there. How convenient you win by nine. I know. I did that as well. What's the name of the show again? Subpar. Subpar. Don't ever forget that. Subpar. Forgot that. Because we had a subpar tournament. I won that by nine, too. But anyway. You just plan that around your number? Like. Uh, I'm up 10. I'm just going to bogey the last win by nine. Oh, that's a good one. I never thought of that. Mm, see? You should. Write that down. We got Write you right before you get out on the course, though. What? Give me the rundown of your practice schedule right now, because I would argue that you practice golf more than any human that I know, tour guys included. Um, well, it's like anything. I, I genuinely want to improve at something. If I'm going to put – if I'm going to do it, you know, I don't want to, you know – one day just be like, hey, I'm Drew Stoltz, you know? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> like, Not a lot of people yes, want that. keep this up. I like Cut this. that. So. That will be edited. <laughs> keep that. How many hours a day are we talking? I would say, you know, starting off the year, if it's not in football season, which changes, obviously, when I have to travel and announce games. But, uh, you know, I'll be out there for a good six to eight hours once in a while. Wow. So, obviously, you do a lot of stuff to get your body ready to go out to the golf course. And how does it compare – to get your body ready for football. It's different. I think uh, when I first started, when I was younger and you're playing football, I mean, I would play sports 24-7. I mean, like, literally, I'd wake up and it would be an off-season day and it would be, you know, 6.30. We're in there at 7. You lift. Uh, you work out. You run. You do all the normal stuff. Back then, it was about two hours of time, maybe. Maybe till 9.30. Then I'll go to the golf course and hit balls, let's say. Just practice mm-hmm. a little bit for a few hours. And then we'd have like two games. So I'd play in like a church basketball league and then I'd play in a soccer league, indoor soccer. So it'd be like, oh, this is at five and this other one's at nine tonight. And then I'd go home, crash, and do it all over again. And uh, when I look back now, I'm like, hmm, probably needed to do some back exercises. <laughs> a little, just a little bit. But <laughs> you mentioned you played that. everything growing up. Like we all had dreams as a kid. Like, Obviously, ours was to be on a podcast. And we're doing it. And we're doing it. No bigs. Was your dream Dreams as a kid? Come true. Yeah. They, they happen. Was your dream as a kid to be in the NFL or podca- something else? Oh. No. <laughs> um, yeah, to be on our podcast. Yes, that was your dream. <laughs> yeah, I when I was a kid, it was actually basketball. Mm-hmm. So for me, initially, it just started off with like loving Michael Jordan and, um, you know, Pistol Pete Maravich. I can remember seeing the movie yes. my dad showed me and 
you know, from there it was just practicing dribbling around the house, doing everything blindfolded. I mean, it's like imitating, you know, whatever you saw on TV. And then um, as I got a little older, I uh, basically chose football as a junior in high school, yeah. almost randomly. And then there it was. I said, oh, I probably have a little better chance of being good at this than that. But I just like competition. Yeah. At its core, that's really, you know, as a kid, I wanted to grow up and play sports. Some fashion, so. Well, let's run it back to the beginning then. You start off at Eastern Illinois. You end up winning the Walter Payton Award there. So my mom had me at, oh, we're not going that far back. No, no, yeah, you want to start there? (laughs) Okay, no, no, no. When were you created? No, (laughs) what night? But you win the Walter Payton Award there. You come out. When you're coming out of high school, you only started as a junior. Did you have other offers? Were you trying to go somewhere else, or was it just wherever I I can go to play? It was actually a tough decision because, you know, I had, I can't even remember how many offers. yeah, actually, I do. It was uh, it was only Eastern Illinois. Oh. <laughs> that I can't remember, but yes, that was it. And it was a half scholarship. I had to pay for my own books and food and such. But I think the deal worked out okay for both of us. Yeah. Was that more of a only starting to play football late, like in high school, or was it just from being like a small town in Wisconsin? Do you think you could have gone and had a similar success at a Division One or Power Five? <sighs> no. I, uh, really. I I just I think it was just because I wasn't very good. I mean, that makes sense. I just started playing and it's like, uh, like golf, you know, like I'm better than you now, but when we first started, <laughs> we're going to get into better, all that, you know, uh-huh. and, um, yeah, you just, you, you, you gotta practice, gotta get better and improve. And I stunk. So I probably didn't even but deserve you, the half scholarship. Yeah. But you obviously have your Jersey gets retired at Eastern Illinois. Mm-hmm. You, you go to the, you get undrafted. Was it like your senior year? Were you kind of expecting to be drafted or was it just like, I'm going to go to the NFL and see what happens? Um, so I, I did win our like conference player of the year mm-hmm. in college. And then I won our, our version of the Heisman. It's the Walter Payton award at one double a back then. And most of the time guys go, so you see what's happened before you, mm-hmm. when you win certain stuff like that, like guys get drafted or they're in the NFL. Um, not a ton of success. I would say as far as like, Oh, he goes on and does something for a long period of time. But I also knew in the back of my head, like every year, you know, it's kind of why I would never skip a day of throwing. It's like, I'm just not as good as these guys. Like I sit and I've seen this guy throw. I went to a camp and watched the Bears quarterbacks when I was in college, you know, and it was like Chris Chandler. I mean, it was just guys that um, could throw a ball where I watched, I'd be like, man, I stink. And it was like, I got to improve. And so every day I would just throw and I'd throw twice a day. I'd throw it into the pillow at night. And uh, over time, it's just, you slowly get better, and then all of a sudden something clicks. And I think I call it the 30% rule where it's like you're not really ever improving. You're kind of almost getting worse. You're trying. You're trial and error. Take this, do that, toss that out, stuff. And then all of a sudden something comes into play, and it connects the dots for five, six of the things that you've been trying. And then all of a sudden it's simple. And now it's reactionary. And now it's just you're never that old guy again that you were before because you know how many times you've been around people and they never really – are different five years later he's really good but he's always just been really good oh and he stinks and he kind of always stinks says mm-hmm. you always know you're waiting for that one shot you know and it's like it's hard to really make a change and improve and i try to do that in football and i think i you know yeah. when that 30 percent thing came it was a big deal yeah you got that shot with the dallas cowboys obviously yeah and i met you when you were a backup maybe even third string qb3 yeah we played golf at Royal yeah. Oaks, went out to dinner, hung That's out right. for a little bit. You had that game at Royal Oaks. You used yep. to have all those boys, Cox. Yep. Oh, yeah, Chris Cox, all Flores the boys. Flores was there for a little bit. But we uh, we go to dinner, and, you know, no one really bothers us. We're just hanging out, nothing. But then you become the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> and things changed a little bit. 
<laughs> when did you realize like, okay, life's a little different now? It almost happened like overnight. It was yeah. like, um, you're, you could, it was like, all of a sudden I was better looking. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird how that happens. It's crazy how that happens. Yeah. <laughs> you got funnier too. That's true. You I did get way funnier. You got way funnier yeah. when you got famous. Yeah. I No, actually, I was always funny. That part of it, that was the same. But um, I think the rest of it, you just sensed, like, all of a sudden, you're getting invited to the best shows, subpar. I mean, you're mm-hmm. getting all the invitations. Things just changed. Where, like, your normal Kinda routine, if it. you wanted to, you could, um, you could go do a whole bunch more stuff. And so you almost, like, have to suppress that and kind of go. And, you know, it takes you just a little bit of time to do it, but... Eventually, you just get back to who you are. A little easier to get a dinner reservation once you're the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, it's easier than, you know, having my podcast. When was the last time you <laughs> called a restaurant and they're like, I'm sorry, we're full? Oh, that happens. Yeah? Yeah. With your, when you use the last name? Um, no, I mean, it doesn't, happen up, for, huh? it doesn't happen for me. I'm saying it happens oh, to Oh, it people. happens to other people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are times when restaurants are full. I, I'll be honest. I've used your name to get a reservation at the tap room at Pebble Beach. I've actually heard this. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Call I called and I was like, hey, Colt knows I'm in the tournament. Um, no, we're full. I was called back. I'm like, hey, uh, need a table for Tony Romo. They're like, all right, cool. Six people. <laughs> Me, Noda Begay, and uh, Br- Brett that used to be at Dallas National. Oh, yeah, Brett. Yeah, Brett. Brett. Uh, and uh, they're like, all right, cool. Six table. Sit there. Uh, when's Mr. Romo coming up? Oh, he's late. He'll be here in a little bit. Yeah, he's uh, coming, guys. Ah, he's we ordered our food, late. paid the bill. Something came up. Tony couldn't make it. But thank you for that dinner reservation. Thanks, thanks for the private room, though. And this is all taken care of, right? Yeah. Tony's going to be pissed if we pay. I got the worst reputation around town. I tell you. <laughs> Didn't even do anything. Just went home and watched uh, television. I love it. It's so good. Was there like a pinch yourself moment where you're like, I mean, like you said, undrafted, QB3, you're holding kicks and things all of a sudden, then bam, you're starting quarterback. You're not only just starting quarterback, starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. America's like, that's team. different than being started yeah. for the Bucks. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I mean, when you're in it, it's just it's happening. It's not like you're like, you don't plan for like, okay, this is how this is going to go. It's it's usually like a, it's not usually a overnight whack, boom, here it is. And it was when I became the starter from how I felt in like six weeks, it, your life changed right there. Mm-hmm. But everything else in sports or everything else around always had like a slow progression it's like okay now you get in the nfl you're undrafted it's going to take me time to get good at this i I mean it takes you know probably took me three years to really be able to be a consistent player at the quarterback position in the nfl and that's with practicing every day and thinking about it all the time and college is the same it's like i come in it's like do you do you want to play tight end you know they try and move move me in my first year there i was like "Eh, give me one off season and that was where i switched right there after my First six months in college is where I probably didn't not throw a ball for 10 straight years. Like, there was no one day I missed. And, uh, you know, that probably was the start of just the work ethic. I think. Is, there, is there more pressure being the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, say, compared to other teams, you think? Because, I mean, Dallas is just always, like, no matter what happens, win or <clears> lose, <throat> they're the topic of every conversation on SportsCenter the next day. Yeah, I think – I don't know. It's a guess because I've yeah. never quarterbacked another team. Runs, yeah. So it'd be like a hypothetical, and I'm not really into hypotheticals. But I would say you felt the weight of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you knew you're, you know, back before, you know, you if you threw an interception, you lose a game or a bunch of picks, which I never did. No. Never. But if it did happen, per se, on that one occasion, you knew you were, you were going to be talked about poorly here mm-hmm. over the next 24 to 48 hours and might open a lot of the – Sports center shows and such with that, and so 
you just it toughens you up though i mean really i look back now i'm like it sucks when you're going through that <laughs> yeah. but it's also what really you want to improve and get good at something and i think it's uh it hardens you and it makes you ready for life every qb in the league's got physical talent everybody's good you came in you started to become really good really quickly as soon as you got the starting role but what do you think your biggest asset was as a quarterback you're not the biggest dude you're not any of that what do you think your biggest strength was just body fat percentage is so low yeah it's tight same super so, tight yep yeah. it's great in here yeah. athletes mm -hmm. he's almost lifted you a weight you could actually gain weight as a team we're like we're the perfect human yeah dude our legs combined. are normal size and all that yeah subpar yeah i'll tell you <laughs> It, uh, keep saying that a lot. I like that. Keep, just fire that out whenever you want. Product placement. I want yes, to get exactly. I, uh, I think my string is really just the good Lord blessed me with the ability to see and react quickly, think fast. And um, I kind of always had that ability. You know, everyone told you the NFL is going to be so fast. So you get there and it's going to be so fast. And I remember going out to the first practice and everyone's flying around and everything. And I'm like, Seems like the exact same speed to me as it did in college. And I'm coming from 1AA. And that wasn't about the speed. It was just that, you know, I could see it quickly when people were coming up. And I'd throw it before he wraps around the backer, you know, a second before somebody else did, or half a second. Problem is, I'd throw it in the dirt behind him. So I'd miss for like a year straight. I'd be like, I could see everything. I mean, I can't complete it. I can see it. But that's one of the few things, like, I mean, you, you talk to all these guys that come into the league, and they're like, the game just speeds up so much. See, that's, I mean, that's where I always think. Yeah. I'm like, whenever you find a quarterback who, because almost everyone does that. Yeah. You know, the game is fast, and then it's like, it's starting to slow down for yeah. me. And I'm like, then there's that rare guy where he's like, yeah, I don't think the speed of the game was that yeah. big a deal. I think it was more. And then I'm like, uh-oh, watch yeah. out for that guy. He's, right, well, his instincts. Let me uh, give you a little trivia question to see how mm. quick you are on your feet. Who was your first ever NFL completion to in a real game, not preseason? Ooh, down the sideline. Sam Hurd. Wow, 33 yards. Mm -hmm. First touchdown. It was next play. Terrell Owens. First interception. Never threw one. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Short-term memory. You should well, have been a cornerback. Sam Hurd, that's impressive. You've got to be corner. optimistic, boys. You should have been a corner. Give me one guy in the league right now, quarterback, playing quarterback, that you think reminds you the most of you. I'm not into comparisons or hypotheticals. But... <sighs> I don't know. I just... I don't think there's, you know, I'm probably, I really don't sit and think about who's close to me. I try and think about it toward other people. But I think the game, these players, they're evolving. I mean, I see a lot of, like, Brett Favre meets, like, Tom Brady and Patrick, and Patrick Mahomes. Like, he has the ability to see and react so fast. And, but he also plays very patient and slow. And his brain's working very quickly, but it's like he's calm. You remember when Aaron Rodgers would kind of stand and then just roll to the right and it looked like – but I know that Patrick's brain works quick and he could see it and he could get like – but he doesn't play too fast. He plays calm and slow with a brain that works quick. That's that's evolving. I mean, that's a that's a dangerous guy right there. Yeah, he's nasty. What do you, what do you miss about playing the most? Oh, winning – like to me, competition – it was joy, but I liked it because I wanted to go improving. Like the, I used to have pure joy going to bed at night thinking that I got better and that the next day you're finally going to see mm -hmm. the real version of what you always wanted to be. I thought that was – that gave me just um, a great feeling that uh, – 
you know, I try and emulate in other areas. Is that like is that why you grab it? Yeah. yeah. Is that yeah. your golf yeah. place that now? Yeah. I mean, I, no matter what I'm doing, like I'm not someone who like looks back a lot and is nostalgic about a lot of stuff. Um, you know, including you know our friendships, and I feel like with football, I look back, it's just I've kind of taken that and moved it over here. Now, obviously, you know, walking out and having a hundred thousand people cheering and exciting when you score a touchdown or when you win a game late those are those are rare feelings right there i feel like a lot of athletes like once they get done playing pick golf you obviously had a head start you were good to begin with and now you're taking it to the next level but so many guys get out they just miss the competition or are working towards something every day and that's why they go to golf They're like all right i suck now but i can get better today and like so many guys end up gravitating towards that especially quarterbacks yeah i think it's the puzzle aspect it's no different than me trying to figure out the throwing motion and how to get you know perfect that and try and get that so i can make any throw with you know, off your back foot, sliding right, moving left, guy in your face, you can't move your body weight forward. I mean, there's a million different things you can practice. And, you know, golf's the same way, but, I mean, it stinks. I mean, I can't stand it when you stay the same. Like, if I ever woke up, like, this year and was the same as last year, it'd be like, ugh. So, you know, I try and – it's where that joy comes from when I talk about, you know, just trying to get better. That's cool. You, uh, a lot, you, you hear a lot about how, like, your running backs, your quarterbacks, take care of your offensive linemen. Give them cool gifts and stuff like that. I always like hearing that. What is one of the cool things you did for your offensive linemen? <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Done a few few things over the years. I think my wife actually came up with the idea in one of the last years I was there. We got them, like, little ATVs, you know, four-wheelers uh-huh. and stuff. And so that was a little bit outside. We've, we've done the suits, luggage we've done. I think back in the day when there was, like, a new iPad. It was just starting. As weird as that you sounds, take care of them. There boys was something like that mm, that you got. Them, yeah, and uh, a new Mac or something like that. Yeah, and then finally, I was just like, all right, here's some cash. <laughs> I can't, can't think of it. Please protect me. Here's some money. Like, come on, let's be honest. Everyone whatever just you wants want. a little bit of cash. Well, a guy that took care of you in your day and one of your biggest advocates, Jerry Jones. Uh, what's your relationship like with him now that you're not playing anymore? Oh, I, stay close. Yeah, I love the entire Jones family. You know, they're like. Uh, that's our producer. He's coughing. He's yeah, pretty yeah, good at his yeah, job, right. isn't he? This is pro. This is pro shit. Yep. Just let us know. You get that in the booth up there with Nance, I'm sure. <clears throat> That's out of that, I'm sure. You should keep that in, actually. That's good television, guys. Or is this radio? What are we on? I don't know. No one does. A lot of different forums. So you're streaming everywhere. Yeah, Jim is going to be watching. You can't I know miss that, it. Though. This is the next Nance presidential election. This is going to battle you yeah. guys. It could be tough. Where um, are we going with that? Oh, Jerry Jones. Jera. So the whole Jones family, it's like a, you know, Gene and Jerry I've been close with for so long, but not only them, it's, you know, their kids and their, you know, kids, husbands and wives, and it's just, you get to know the grandkids. It's like a second family in a lot of ways. I mean, we've all went through this all together, and they end up having more, you know, with, but, you know, when you're the quarterback, you you want to win for them so bad because they care so much, and they give everything they have, and, uh, you know, I don't think it's like that everywhere. I mean, he'll... He'll spend every ounce of his money to get, you know, a win or a Super Bowl. Or, and he wants it, you know, for you every bit as much as he wants it for himself. And I just, you know, I just love that family. We're, we're close. Is one of your kids named Jones? Mm-hmm. Is that after? You know, it's yeah. a combination of both. Okay. It, it is actually like, so it was like, we loved the name. And then we knew mm-hmm. that would be construed that way. And we liked it. So okay. it's kind of like, yes, no, but it's like. We knew that that would be that way, and, and we're like, oh, should we not do that? And it's like, no, I think that's a good thing because I l- love them. Yeah. So I'm completely 
you have, that, that helped the cause, yeah. if that makes sense. You have three small boys. Mm-hmm. Obviously, football is a pretty dangerous sport. Yeah. Are you all four of your kids playing football? Yeah, I think me and my wife talk about it all the time. I just said, I don't think they're going to play any tackle football. You know, I say this because, you know, I know they they start to fall in love with anything and you want to cultivate an environment for your kids to always be able to do what they love. And uh, But as far as, like, playing tackle football, I just don't think playing tackle football in fourth grade, fifth grade, third grade, you know, sixth grade, Seventh grade is the first time I was like, I consider maybe there, but I said eighth grade would be the first time I would, I've always thought because I don't see how you playing tackle makes you better as a junior in high school. Gotcha, yeah. Now, it makes you play football, but you could play football and play flag football and still, because it's not a craft sport. It's not like tennis or golf where reps really do matter. You start to learn hand technique. Feel. This is tag. I mean, the linebacker's playing tag, okay? Yeah, he might be a little better at tackling, but I don't think that changes. Like, if you have great instincts and you can run fast, you'll learn how to get your head in front of the defender. You know, okay, wrap him up. Let's practice that tomorrow. Okay, you're probably better. It's the same as going out in your backyard and chasing people down and seeing angles. So either you see the angles and you have speed or you don't. And the hits are just because people want to do that, and I just don't think you should take the hits until it really matters, unless – it was really going to make you way better so that you were a great player in high school or college or something. Yeah. I never take the hits. I've been staying away from the hits for a long time. Yeah. It's one mm-hmm. of the things I do best. It's not what Marissa says. She doesn't know. Don't talk to her. Don't ever talk to her. <laughs> 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 All right, let's get to where you're at right now, man, in the booth with Jimmy Nance. How, how did the CBS game <laughs> come along? It like you hit her. <laughs> like I hit. I meant like she tells you you're taking hits every day, like verbal blows from your. Oh, wife. I am. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just immune to that now. I've become, totally I've become numb to it. Dude. Yeah, it's happened for so long. Let's do talk about. Don't the ever TV. talk about my wife on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Especially let's, you. Let's talk about the TV though. You're obviously yeah with one of the best that's ever done it, Jim Nance. Yep. Did you ever think you would end up in the booth? No. I mean, I never thought about that until like probably a year before I retired maybe was the first time mm-hmm. and uh because I mean I I just I thought I would if I didn't have a back injury I probably still wouldn't have back then because I actually had to take years off of golf until I figured out you know you know Troy Van Beeson helped me and Chris Miller over at the clinic I go mm-hmm. to on the back so I got to play golf again really late and I was two three years in without playing at all and that made me think like oh my gosh what am I gonna do when I'm done yeah. you know we're built to work and do something you know most of us not drew obviously but i mean like that's just how i think I we we'll thumb, yeah <laughs> check and then we end up that made me think about that mm-hmm. but if i wouldn't have had a bad back and they would have helped me or something i would have absolutely done that but if i never get hurt well then i'm probably gonna play golf mm-hmm. and i'm probably like well i don't want to take anything away from that i just want to spend time with my kids and my wife and get better at golf so the combination made it so i love i love announcing i love being an analyst i love practicing golf and i love hanging out with my kids and my wife and that's kind of what i do pretty much 24 7 and me and sleaze yeah that yeah. too and marissa yeah um we mentioned earlier we mentioned <laughs> earlier you won the american century twice <laughs> okay it normally it's stable for format it normally takes around 70 to 80 points mm-hmm. i asked mark Mulder this a couple weeks ago what do you think the average pga tour player would score at that event it's a great question i've never thought about that i don't know did he, you, he said around 110. No, I, I think that'd be too high. Too high? Yeah. It's an opinion. 
What's it normally win? 70 to 80. 70 to 80? It's and not. And you get a par, par for a point. Or a point for a par. Par's one, uh-huh. birdie's two. He said it because it's 6,800 yards at altitude, short. He's like, PJ Tour players are going to make a couple eagles here and there. Yeah, I could Tour's see 30 deep. more points. You're saying average, though. You didn't say the winner. The winner might shoot 110. But no, no, no. I'm saying if you took an average PGA Tour player, say someone that's like 70th in the world. Oh, I was saying like just was... make everyone in the in the field PGA Tour player. Oh, okay. Then... And I bet the average. No, I was just okay. What wins? That's what I was saying. Yeah, one hundred to one ten yeah. could win. Yeah, sure. but I don't think I don't think that would be an average score for the field just because you got to remember that's going to put you at something like. 20 under mm-hmm. maybe over three rounds not yeah, but you, four but the eagles get you know five or eight points whatever it is and stuff like that i mean yeah but the only reason i'd say is because the putting out there like yeah. on poana charles barkley's walking on this green yeah and it's this tough. it's it's a real thing <laughs> like an effect it's tough to hold putts oh I'm, charles i mean you have Poor all guy. these big people <laughs> urlacher <laughs> stomping around you try putting after urlacher it's, walks and people just don't understand you can physically see it still coming up <laughs> After these guys come by, and I'm like, we got to wait this one out here. Barkley just got done. You get in a Barkley. It's a four footer, and this this footprint's still rising oh, back to the so top great. of the surface. <laughs> who are the guys it. up there in Tahoe when you go up there that you like to hang out? I know you're in there, you're grind mode, you're trying to win the thing. But who are the dudes that you like to hang out with, like off the course when you're up there? Um, I mean, it changes over the years. I mean, because like when he first started, it was, you know, different guys. Then it's like. The years ago, I mean, it's been a good decade now, it feels like. So now, you know, I hang out with, well, nobody this year because of mm-hmm. the virus. But, um, you know, it's anybody. Like, everyone's kind of around. You kind of see everybody. Sean Payton's there. I hang out with Sean. You know, it's, I can go through 50 guys that you're like, hey, and you stop and you hang out. And you Steve Young, I always see. It's, you see everyone on the range. Charles there. You know, Jordan back in the day. Wasn't Sean Payton one of the big reasons you came to Dallas in the first place when he was when he was there? He he really liked you out of the, out of the combine, right? Yeah, he um, he liked me, but I mean, like, smart guy. Like is a very <laughs> relative term. He gave, they gave me ten thousand dollars to be a free agent. So I'm like, Done. is that liking me? I'm like, if you Done. really like me, you could draft me. God, I want. It's always like we loved him. I'm like, nah, I wanted him nah. to be the coach here so bad. God. <laughs> I want him to be the head coach so bad. I love that guy. All right, well, we know you're a busy man, so we're going to get into this E9. Perfect. I'm out of here. Thanks, guys. No, we're not done. Oh. You have nine more questions to answer. Oh, boy. We didn't yes. name this after your number. This is what it's actually called, okay? Right. All right, emergency mm-hmm. night. First question we ask this to everybody. Movie about the life of Tony Romo. Who plays you? Any uh, actor. Robert Redford, Roy Hobbs from The Natural. I mean, think would about been, it. Think about it for a second. I, I just, Eight million dollars, that was I, the answer. I, I blacked out. What did I say? <laughs> did you? You're the first w- guy that has been like, wow, I've never thought about yeah. that. Tony has the exact actor from the movie. movie. Yeah. God, I thought Here's I was what giving I'm gonna you wear. a nice compliment. I said Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't know why. That's what came to mind. Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. What do you think about that? I got the oh, coach. I thought you were saying for you? No, not for me. This isn't about uh, me. This is about this you. Is you. I was thinking how I can be nice, but... Um, Okay. Obviously, someone extremely Jake? handsome and charming would be playing. Cool, Robert Redford, guys. That's the natural. All right. All right. There you go. All right. Natty. All right. Next, next question. question. This is a weird one. I don't know why my brain's weird. By the way, he's I number nine. I wrote this late too. at night. There you go. What do you say? Roy Hobbs, number nine. Yeah, number nine. Ah, that weird coincidence. Up. All right. If you had to enter into the Coliseum, fight to the death, two man fight, you get one of your teammates on your team to go to battle with. Who do you want? Jim Nance. I think y'all would get bodied pretty quick. Huh? <laughs> 
well, I don't I'm, think Jim's much of a scrapper. Gonna, no, you're missing the whole point here. He's going to talk us out. Yeah, he's going to talk us out. That's what I was going to say. We win on the battle. Conclusion the golden here. voice. We're going to go ahead, and people are going to get out there and be like, man, I just want to sit and listen to him talk, and I'm going to sneak out the back door because you cannot take your eyes off him when he's talking. And you know what? Play a little master's music behind it. It's mm, perfect. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Put him to sleep. I like it. Sneak out. All, All right. right. That was a weird answer. I didn't Next question. That. Good. Yep. You've played a few PGA Tour events. You're obvi- I don't think you're probably done with those. At the end of the day, Tony Romo's best finish on the PGA Tour is? Previously? No. 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 And before, when you're done playing golf, your best finish on the PGA Tour will be? I only have one goal in golf. Like, win four majors in one season. Jesus. So the, the mm-hmm. sad thing is, I actually yeah. think you believe this. Yeah, this is not a joke. This is not a joke. This is like, look, anything short of that sucks. <laughs> if I don't win the Grand Slam, I'd maybe, be disappointed. Maybe if start I, with it, making one cut. The Tiger Slam would be like one of those that moments where it, it would, it'd be it'd be there, but you know. Which major best suits your game right now? Uh, where are you gonna get man. your first major? Usually, the Masters usually yeah. is, is suited my game. The way you putt it. Mm-hmm. You know, just this a lot just, of the. I didn't see you do undulation I change. I didn't have wing know, the, foot having to you shape your shot that you would thrive. Being you know, honest, flag That's positions it suits me. Okay, Augusta. <laughs> Next question. All right, God. this, this one fun. seems weird now. All right, what's the one defensive player you're most scared of during your career? <clears throat> well, scared of is there's almost two forms to that. I feel like one is. Who you're like, man, this guy could hurt you. Like, and that's usually a defensive lineman, some big D tackle like the Dominican Sue can just whip whip you around, you know. And then there's the scared of how he can win the game by himself and hurt your game plan. You gotta count for him, you know. Troy Palomalu moving around everywhere, Ed Reed. I mean, those guys are scary a different way, where it's like there's an interception waiting to happen if you don't like look him off or if you can't find him. He's reading you and he's trying to hide. Like Ed Reed would hide behind refs. So you're looking and you don't feel a free safety. He's moved somewhere else and all of a sudden you throw it and you're like, what? I mean, it's stuff like that's, you know, it's crafty. Very crafty. I like that. All right. Well, you've obviously been a celebrity for a very long time. Slee's got his first taste the other day at the airport when a gentleman noticed us. Oh, yeah. We got no recognized at the airport. We were just sitting there talking. No People big come deal. up to us, you know, it's annoy so us. Far. You're about to get a little, you're yeah. going to ride the, on this wake a little bit, too. You might get a little Tell me this. Too. I like I like that though, but let's be honest. That was his dad. <laughs> I actually gave the kid fifty yeah. bucks. I was like, Took Yo, the video on. so you yeah. couldn't see come the front over and part. Say you like our show. Look right. at this guy. He's, he was talking to me. It's like, why didn't he turn around? <sighs> Pops, get out of here. He's coming. All right. Well, that's not the question. <laughs> but the question is, what's your biggest pet peeve when you go out in public that people do? I don't really have a pet peeve. Most people are really genuine and nice, and I I, I honestly think most fads. I used to worry like after. You know, a game or something. I'd be like, if I played poorly, then I was like, I don't want to see anybody. I I feel like I let everyone down, and I just destroyed their day and week. And everyone's gonna look at me and hate me and stuff. And and one time I had to go somewhere, and people were like, you know, good game, keep your head up, blah blah. blah and good luck next week. We always root for you, and everyone's so nice. And I'm like, and people are nicer. They're all nice to your face. Just, yeah, the internet's yeah. less friendly. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. It's like what, like who cares what people put on the internet? It's yeah. like. It is nice though. Couldn't agree more. You know, if people are nice to you, it's like okay. If and you're so want nice to them. You're so accommodating to everyone, like the pictures and stuff. I feel like I've never seen you say no, really. Yeah, I mean, I feel like just, you know, I got lucky to be in a position where I am. It's not like uh, you're owed anything in this life. It's you're 
I'm fortunate. You know, I'm I'm one of the blessed ones for sure. Times ten thousand. No one deserves that kind of luck. You're absolutely right. You do not deserve it. All right, next question. <laughs> do you think Mark Cuban should lose his job for not getting you any playing time during your one-day career with the Dallas Mavericks? I think it probably helped because if I would have won in that game, there's a good chance, you know. Triple-double. It would have been it would have been terse to whether or not they signed me because then the rest of the league would have seen. Right. See, that, we probably don't ever now get it's Luka. A yeah. And then the Luka, it's then the trickle-down effect. Luka, you know? yeah, and you're right. only going to get me for that four-year run. It's probably not worth it. Comparative to, you know. See, that was kind of one of my questions. Like, if Rick Carlisle did put you in the game, you could have possibly gone down as one of the greatest two-sport athletes of all time with (laughs) Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders, right? Ah, man, what could have been? I mean, that's true. I mean, we wouldn't have had Luka if you would have played. That would have been bad. Yeah, that's good foresight on your side. We might have gotten a championship in there somewhere. I can't can't predict the future or the past. Real question, if you got 20 minutes in that game, give me your stat line. God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to want to hear it. Mm. This one I 20, feel. 10 and 20 10. minutes. This one's a little more real. Zero, 01 and zero. 0. What's the one? Passed it, passed it to Dirk on the corner when they took the ball from me and I dove on the floor accidentally and threw it to him. All right. That's not what I was expecting. I was going to I thought we were going to yeah. get a triple double or something. All right. Very well, honest of you. All right. Whose whose shoes were easier to fill? Drew Bledsoe or Phil Sims? <laughs> whose shoes were easier to fill? You know, uh, he filled both of them. Bro. He did fill both of them. Yeah, I would say, I mean, guy. the question really is, what's harder? I think talking for me, it's just football is so, you know, it feels like your whole life is on the line each week. And so whenever you have, when you when I came in after Drew, I mean, it wasn't like I was, okay, here's our guy for the next whatever years. It's like I might have a game or two. And in one half, I pretty much threw the ball to everybody on both teams. You know, when I came in on Monday Night Football, I threw for like 250 yards and a half. Back then, that's like 400 yards now, I feel like. But that's 250 yards, and I threw two touchdowns and three picks. I actually think I threw like four touchdowns because two of them have gone the other way. But, I mean, it was so everything in one half. And I was like – and they had to make a decision to go with me or not for the next week, and it was tough. They had a vote you know, for the coaches and, uh, you know, I won by one vote, I think. Yeah. And, uh, I started the next week and that's where I won on the road against Carolina. And that's kind of my opportunity. So you get that and then you go. Whereas in broadcasting, I knew I had at least a year or two, you know, as if you were like a first or second round pick kind of thing that you had time. So, you know, they're both, I enjoy both obviously, but, uh, they're a little different. At least you don't get hit in the booth. Yeah. Mondays are better. Unless you say something yeah. stupid and answer slap you. Body feels better on Monday. Yeah, yeah, good point. All right, next question: Who's more to blame for us not getting to the USGA four ball? Drew you Stokes. Or me? I disagree. <laughs> I love, I've I talked to you both disagree. about this, and this is what's great: you both blame each other. Dude, I'm out there looking for a leader. He's supposed to be a leader. There's no leadership at all, dude. Let, He's let, off on his own, looking for his ball. I mean, no the, leadership. We're talking to the greatest like mini tour player ever. He, you know, Tin Cup over in, here. In his mind, facts. No, that I mean, that's what he told me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I went and played in the four ball with him and. That guy was gone. I didn't even get to have a conversation right. with the guy till the 13th hole. He's off of there wandering Let's and shit. Let's set the record straight right now. You two play 10 times head-to-head. What's, what's he, the record? If we're being honest, back in the day, he, he'd win. No, right now, present day. 
I'd win, I suck. I'd win nine out of ten now. Wow, <laughs> we get settled. Please, we gotta get this. Yeah, this is like Ma- I'm like Master Splinter. He's like Michael. I've like yeah. taught him the it's, way. You know what I mean? Good, I'm yeah. trying to help this guy. You yeah. know what I mean? I feel pride when I see him succeed. Cause I'm like, I did that. That's mostly me. Mm-hmm. I'm the Mona Lisa. Anytime you see him play well in golf, he you'll painted know that. It came yeah. from sleep. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, Tony, this has been an absolute blast, man. We really appreciate, appreciate you your time, dude. <laughs> Thanks for that. You don't need to iron your shirt next time, dude. We're a casual show, bro. Well, Sleaze, that was Tony Romo. I have to admit, I really enjoyed it when he was taking jabs at you throughout the whole show. Throughout the entire thing, like yeah. It. We absolutely we go way back. He and I, we played a bunch of golf tournaments together, and it was fun just to have him on. He was flying out like in a couple hours to go for his broadcasting duties out there. But, man, he was a blast. Looked standard Tony appearance with the, un, the, with the wrinkled shirt. And the, the I'm like, dude, you're making a million a game. Go buy yourself a shirt. Just buy a new one. Wear a new one every day. You'll never, you'll never have a problem. But arguably the worst dressed human being in the history of life. But it was fun talking to him. And dude, we weren't joking. We were talking about his golf game. Like uh, Kevin Kisser says, this ain't a hobby. Well, it's definitely a hobby for Tony, but he doesn't treat it like that, man. That dude gets out there and he plays and practices as much as any tour pro that I know. More, I dude, think. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's hilarious. I was really excited to see what he would say when I was like. You know, at the end of your golfing day, right. what will be your best finish on the BJ Tour? And he's like, well, I set up to win four majors a year. Yeah. I'm like, you never even played in one. He said it a little bit in jest, but you yeah. know, there's like some truth oh, behind yeah. it. Like, no, he, he thinks everything. It. Like, if he commits himself to it, he's like, I could do like literally anything in the world. It's hard to knock the dude for a guy that came out of, you know, Eastern Illinois and made his way as a starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Hard to, hard to knock the dude. He has a very strong mental game. There's no doubt about that. He, he believes in himself a lot and he's a, he's a hell of a player and he's a hell of a broadcaster. It was a, it was a pleasure to sit down and talk with him. But, Sleaze, I'm really mad at myself. I forgot one question that I wanted to bring up that you've told me the story. You're staying at his house. Y'all might have gotten a little banged up one night. Oh. You're drinking some red wine. Mm-hmm. As you probably know, Tony's got nice things. Yeah, there's not a lot of cheap shit yeah. in the house, I'll tell you that. So I hear you're sitting in the living room. He's got this nice, big, fancy white rug, right? Oh, dude. And, like- uh... Red wine and the white rug don't go well together, and you're you kind of slipped out of your hand one night. Yep. Let me. Let, I, I can't believe we whipped on. God, that. Let me I'm set so the mad. table on that because he, he would have some good perspective on that too. We'd gone out to dinner. We'd had a big day on the golf course. Go out, have a few more. You know how we do. Occasionally, mm-hmm. sleaze has a couple too many pops. All right, it's one of my weaknesses. All right. Anyways, we go back to the house. We're gonna finish it off with a little bottle of wine. His wife comes over. We're sitting on the couch watching a movie or football or whatever. We're sitting on the couch, and like you said, there ain't nothing cheap in this <laughs> house going on. So this rug is about the size of my house. That's how big the rug is. And it's like, dude, I don't even know what material. It's like chinchilla from Nepal. I mean, dude, who knows how many animals had to die to get this rug? Not saying he killed animals. Maybe it's fake. <laughs> but it's an expensive rug, okay? I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Not saying he killed it animals. It is a very, very nice rug to have in your house. So we're sitting there. We're chopping it up, pouring some wine, blah, blah, blah. I'm, we're talking. There's a little table in front of me, right, that I'm just setting my glass on, drinking it, setting it back down. Well, these tables, which the, the lights were on and I forgot about, are shaped kind of like Pinehurst greens. They slope off. They're like turtle shells, right? Well, so they're flat stupid. on top and then they curve off. So I'm sitting there laughing. We're having a good time. I take a drink of my wine, set it down on like apparently the edge of the table. This thing just starts sliding, sliding, sliding. Bam. Slow collapse. Motion, can, oh, Dude, yeah. I can like visualize it in my brain. I'm like, uh, no. Yeah. It spills. Hits the ground. The glass breaks somehow on the softest rug in the world. Wine goes everywhere. It looks like a fucking murder scene just happened in there. I mean, <laughs> and dude, my heart stopped. I was like, oh my. How much were you sweating? Oh, dude, I was like, I don't know what this rug is, but I can't. I can't. Like, I'll replace it. I'll re-. like, no, I can't. I'd no. have to sell my house to replace that yeah, rug. So. Sorry. Dude, and, and like they were super like, oh, don't worry about it, but we'll get some. We dabbed it. We did all this stuff. Well, the, tomorrow, the next day, we leave, go play golf, come back. There's an entire like carpet cleaning crew there, like with, you know, the diesel vacuums trying to get this thing out. Long story short, they can't get it out. Next time I come back to the house, like 
call it a handful of months later, I look and the stain's gone. I'm like, oh, great. Like you guys got it out. How'd you do that? And like, no, dude, apparently that cannot come out. We tried everything. So we had to re we had to get people in here to move the rug and rearrange the furniture. So now it's like underneath. They, they, they moved it. So like now it's a chair is on top of it or something. So, God, I wish I would ask. Dude, you know, it was man. one of the worst. I was like, oh, my God, I just ruined this rug. God, I would work the rest of my life and maybe not pay off this rug. Oh, I love it. That's Disaster. Awesome. Well, he was, he was a blast to sit down and talk to. Can't thank him enough for doing that. But next week, another fantastic episode. Yeah. A little tequila sipping with our guy Abe Answer. Yes, we get the whole rundown on Fletcher Azul, his tequila company. He's in, the, he's in studio with his partner. Yep. They talk about how they started it, how they met. We went through the whole nine. We partake. And a little bit of the tequila having as well. And then we sit down with uh, Abe for like a, a sit down like all the rest of our interviews. But great interview. The train keeps rolling. These have been some really, really great interviews we had lately. It's been a lot of fun. We appreciate y'all watching. That's going to do it for us this week. We'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar. 